Two guys. Two topics. Two, two, two. two opinions. You talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Hawaii into the lane. Cut off by Middleton. Trying to shake Brogdon. Spins to the right block. Lays it up and in. Strong take by Kawhi wow. Leonard. What wow. a man, man, man bucket. With 32.4 seconds to play, the Raptors lead by four. Bucks heave one with three seconds left. An air ball, and the Raptors are going to win. They inbound, the clock goes, the buzzer goes, and the Raptors take care of business on their home floor. They win game three. The Bucks still lead the series 2-1, but as the old adage goes, it's not a series until the home team loses a game, and it hasn't happened yet, folks. <laughs> I heard Tony and Austin talking about that call today, and I couldn't agree more. That's the most ridiculous thing to put at the end of a call ever. Uh, and I, if you look at it in a certain way, I think there is some truth to the to the cliche. But in in the sense that he was using it, that was ridiculous. They say it's not a series until the home team loses a game. Well, that's not happening here. But if it did happen. <laughs> They'd be down three zero in the series. So, so what's that supposed to mean exactly? Because now at least it's still a series. So the whole time Two I won. So the whole yeah, okay, that nice logical thinking. Thank there. you. Appreciate I appreciate that. It. <laughs> but the whole time I'm watching that game, I'm going, all the pressure here is on the Raptors. Neither team played particularly well, no. and they certainly did weren't efficient. But the whole time I'm going, even in the first half, I was going, man, Toronto better be careful because they might be in trouble here. I mean, I really could feel that coming. I didn't see a double overtime ending, but uh, the Bucs were not playing particularly well. But, you know, this was sort of of a, a situation where a loss wasn't going to hurt them. They had everything to win. And, of course, Toronto was – I mean, they, they had the jitters a little bit, I think. It, it's tough for me to admit this because I picked Toronto in the series and before the season started, I thought the Raptors would get to the Eastern Conference Finals. But even though Toronto won, that game, again, comes off as Milwaukee is the better – they're the better team. Oh, really? Got, You've come to that conclusion. They, they've got more talent than, than Toronto does. Toronto's got a depth problem. I think top end, if you compare the Greek Freak and Kawhi Leonard, I think you're looking – Pretty even. From there on out. And the Greek out, freak, by the way, did not have a good game. No, he didn't. I and mean, it, it still was, took him double overtime yeah, to get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And I th- the Bucks afterward were saying, hey, man, we played like crap. Uh, Budenholzer said that. Played like crap, and we still almost won. Right. Uh, that's, that's just a means for him to uh, grab a, grab his team by the throat and say, listen, fellas, you know, you can do better than this. Uh, this and if you do better than this, then we're on our way. Now, I don't want you to get me wrong. If Toronto, Toronto actually wins this series, I'll be <laughs> bragging about it for months. But because uh, you picked them, because I did. But you it does come back in. Yeah, back October before the season or whatever. started. So, but Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee's terrific, and Coach Budenholzer is a, is obviously a terrific coach. I mean, Jason Kidd didn't set the highest bar in the world, but I mean, <laughs> the way that they play is perfect for that team. They've surrounded uh, Giannis with the 
the perfect surrounding cast. Brooke Lopez has totally evolved his game to where he's a serious. I, I don't know what's gotten into him. Well, he, he figured out that, it, you know, as I move into my later years and I'm not really a dominant physical player anymore, I've got to do something to fit in with the team. Yeah, but at what, point did, what, at what point did he think, okay, you know, I'm getting older now, so I think I'm going to jack up 26 footers and make half of them. Oh, I'm sure a coach got into his ear and said, you've got to develop this part of your game. And then when he goes to Milwaukee – they really needed somebody who can stretch the floor because Giannis can't. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm assuming now he's been working on it for a few years, and he said, sure, I can do that, and it's even evolved from there. But he's the perfect player for what they need. And, and give George Hill a lot of credit. Yeah. 24 points, mm-hmm. George Hill, last night. He is a really good player when he is healthy. Yes. We saw that with the Jazz, and when he's, when he's healthy, he is good. The problem is – He's not healthy a bunch of times. Yep, that's that's certainly an issue. But I, I've i had this opinion for the past couple of years, and I can't remember if you agreed or not, is the best that we've seen the Jazz offense look under Quinn Snyder during his term was when George Hill was healthy and running the point for the first half of that season. And it, hmm, I'm going to have to think about that. You still think that? I still think that. Now, now, Donovan Mitchell might be a better offensive player than Gordon Hayward or, or George Hill. I believe that. But, I mean, as far as having a guy who could score and shoot and run that point that the way that Quinn Snyder wants it run, mm-hmm. that's the best the offense has looked in his And in that's his why team. it was so frustrating when he got hurt. And he got hurt yep. at key times, like in the playoffs. And that was, uh, that was really damaging to that team. It was. Remember, he was scoring something like 24 points a game. In the first uh, first half of that season, until he got he got hurt, he was exactly what that team needed, and then just just couldn't stay on the floor. What was it? A, a toe that took him off for a while, and then well, an yeah. ankle in the playoffs, something like that. And it, you know, it's too bad. I think we're seeing how good he can still be when he's uh, when he's healthy. Do you agree with me that Toronto lucked out? Last night? Yes. Oh, certainly. Because, uh, I mean, how often is uh, is Middleton going to go 3 of 16 from the floor? Not often. I mean, that's it, uh, – and we already talked about Giannis, uh, 5 of 16 from the floor. I mean, that's his – Miritich was not particularly effective. Now, you could say they were playing good defense, but and I think some of that is true. I don't know that it's completely true. But uh, your opponent comes in and – well, if you shoot you yourself shoot under forty percent, thirty nine percent from the floor. They were flinging shots up and, uh, all over the place, and it wasn't working uh, for them. But uh, but the Bucks were no better. In fact, they were two percentage points worse. All right, in the West now, the Warriors uh, they had a win one uh, one ten to ninety nine over the weekend. Now they have a three games to none lead in the series. It and is over. Portland does not. Have a prayer, and Golden State looks better than ever. And, of course, Kevin Durant sitting on the sidelines has provided a lot of fodder considering his future with the club is undetermined. And people saying, well, Golden State can do it without him. A lot of people still saying, well, of course the team is better with Kevin Durant because he might be the best player on the planet. So to think that they wouldn't be better with him out there is ludicrous. But it is interesting to see the the way that Golden State plays when he's not on the floor is, and I heard PK talking about this this morning, is fun to watch. Yeah, it is fun fun. to watch. Let me make an analogy here, all right? So follow the bouncing ball, will you? Well, considering I have a tough time following you most shows, I I will really focus. Okay, see if you can doubly 
focus. Okay. I'm All right. Trying. All right. I had three pine trees in my backyard, and they were growing quite large. And we had neighbors up the hill that who who uh, it was blocking their view. And so my neighbor called me and said, "Would you mind if we uh, trim those trees down?" And you so, told them to pound sand, of course. No, I, I said, "Hold on, let me check on it." And so I talked to my uh, my a, a person, attorney. Uh, no, <laughs> a person, a gardening expert. I'll say, you know. And uh, a tree expert, and I said, "What would happen? We chop those." And he said, "It would, it would not be good." And so my neighbor, wanting to be a good neighbor, you know, uh-huh. if I could, uh, I he came in and uh, and said, "Okay, you can have them removed. You can remove them." Uh-huh. And I thought, "Remove three gorgeous pine trees." Now, am I that good of a neighbor? No. And, I, and I said, oh, I, I finally determined, yeah, I was that good of a neighbor. So he said that he would pay to have them taken out. And I said, okay, go ahead and do it. So he took them out. And it, and it, but he said, don't worry about it. It'll grow in. You know, the other trees will grow in. And I thought, okay, we'll see about that. And so they took them out, and there was a hole there for a while, but they grew in. And now it's as gorgeous as it ever was. Uh-huh. So this is my analogy for what's going on with Golden State. You remove KD, and you got a hole there. But the trees grow in, and it's as beautiful as it ever was. That's what's going on with the Golden State Warriors. I, I think I followed that completely <laughs> uninteresting analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just that was, a, that was a thing of beauty. It would have been better if you would have fought with your neighbor. If it would have been like litigation, I mean, if it would have really, you know, turned ugly. Well, I did have a neighbor, another neighbor, who wanted me to cut down some trees in the front yard because they were blocking the view. But those you could not, you could not chop chop them off the top of them, and I wasn't going to remove them, so I had to say no on that particular occasion. Only because I, uh, look, I'm a tree lover. I hate to see trees just disposed of. But that's neither here nor there. What well, I meant to say is that the Golden State Warriors, the sh- the shrubs have grown in. Um, Gordon, on the, on the scale of one to ten, how exciting was the PGA Championship for you this weekend? Well, I thought uh, I, I thought Brooks uh, Kepko was going to run away with that thing. He had that huge lead, and then all of a sudden he didn't. You know, all of a sudden he didn't. And then, you know how those New York fans are. They get into it and they're all cheering for for DJ. And and, and But Kepka you know, settled himself in. And I got to I got to say, with him winning, uh, winning these major titles, he's getting these days. I, I think this guy's going to be formidable for a long time. He doesn't look vulnerable to me even though he gave away so many of those strokes and he got the piece of hardware that parents who want to have a daughter all uh agree with want to make her the want to make her trophy got it i got it i heard you uh gordon uh, first of all brooks kepka is awesome he's yeah. he's really really good he's won four of the last eight majors 
I mean, it's not that's not quite Tiger level dominance. It's back getting in his there. Heyday, but it's what was it's Tiger seven of eleven? Something I like think that. Seven eleven, but uh, this is impressive. He is he is really a, a great player, but he's doesn't have a personality. He's not particularly likable, which golf needs. Uh, they they need a superstar to, to captivate everybody. And <laughs> well, Tiger he, wasn't particularly likable in the early days. Well, even he had a little bit of a, a villain going for him, as opposed to Brooks is very easily dismissed. I think. Although I loved his comments before the tournament started, where he was saying that the weather will eliminate half the field, <laughs> and then half of that, uh, you know, are going to choke, and the, the other half of that group left, uh, he's better than, you know, it leaves him like one guy to beat. But, but he was but, equally critical of himself, saying he was choking it away. But what? I, it, it wasn't a very exciting tournament. The last what. 5% of the whole tournament was exciting. But until then, he was mopping the floor with everybody. Yeah. And, but you can't hold that against him. Oh, no, you can't. But I'm saying as That's far like as... That's like me complaining that Mike Trout is boring. He is boring. Well, he is kind of boring. Low but his, certainly his play is not boring. Brooks is a little bit in that uh, category, yeah. I, I think. But as far as entertainment value of the whole tournament, it, I, I wish it was better longer. Does that make sense? Because yeah. uh-huh. there was that moment of excitement toward the end, but the rest of the tournament was pretty much, well, Brooks is hammering everybody. So well, he led start to finish. He didn't did. He? I mean, it was just like it, it was. It was. You, you didn't think it was in doubt, even though it's always in doubt until I let the last part of May. And uh, so that's what took the excitement away from this tournament was that he was too good for the field. Well, and I'm not a Tiger Woods fan, but him. Absolutely no showing. Definitely erased a whole storyline that could have made it captivating as well. Mm-hmm. Tony Finau, somebody would uh, stir up some local interest, struggled uh, down the stretch, and uh, that's the way it goes. That's golf, man. That's why what Tiger Woods did and what Brooks Kepka is doing now is so freaking unusual to dominate major tournaments like this. It's just you don't do that. You don't do it. And he's doing it. So if, I think this is uh, – uh, you may not think he has the best personality in the world or the best manner about him, but uh, his golf I, – I would predict that this isn't going to slow down anytime soon, even though the nature of golf uh, says otherwise. Yeah, and I hope I hope we see greatness again, and he's off to a start that could end up there. We will see. Uh, but he's not the most uh, captivating player on tour, certainly. He – what about his game? I mean, when I watch him play, I, I'm impressed. I mean, if you like to play golf, I don't know how when you watch Brooks Kepka play the game, you can't, uh, uh, you know, uh, that spins your beanie a little bit. Uh, Mike Weir told an interesting anecdote on DJ and PK last week uh, where he complimented Brooks Kepka's short game. And Brooks said, wow, thank you very much. Never, Nobody ever compliments my short game. And, it, like, he's worked on that, and he feels like he's really good at that, but he never gets any credit for it. Uh-huh. And and so when I was watching, I was kind of watching through that lens because I thought that was a really interesting anecdote. And his short game is nails. I mean, he yeah, he's he's a heavy hitter, and he can put it out there. But much like Tiger in his hey, heyday, what won him tournaments was how well he putt and how well he played around the green. Did you think that when, as Brooks was, uh, as he put it, half choking it away, did you get the feeling that uh, that was making people more interested in what was going on? And do you enjoy watching somebody fall somebody apart? Somebody collapse? Yeah. 
Um, I do think it made it more interesting to people because they want to see some competition at the end. Yeah. Unless it's truly historic and he's going to win by 10 shots. See, I don't like to see it. I I don't like to see it. You don't like John Vandeveld trying to hit it out of the – No, that's that's not my thing. And for some people, uh, some golfers take some sort of sick pleasure in watching the best in the world completely fall apart and play like they do. Didn't Greg Norman have a pretty historic one at the the U.S. Mm -hmm. Open? But I'd rather say, I mean, I can really get into competition if somebody, like if uh, if DJ had, uh, had uh, Dustin Johnson had come on strong and made a real great move up there. Now I'm into it. But I don't want to see Brooks Kepka play the way he did over the first few rounds and then watch him absolutely spiral into the turf. Now, knowing you, you you probably do like that. It can be entertaining. (laughs) I watched the John Vandeveld thing live when I was, God, I must have been a teenager or something. And uh, the the whole drama of is he is he really (laughs) is he really pulling up his pant legs and taking off his (laughs) shoes and socks? He's going to hit that. That's this is what we're doing now. This is going to happen. Have you ever choked in in any kind of uh, circumstance? Oh, sure. Like, can anything come to mind? Because all of our listeners right now, whether whatever you do for a living, if you're an attorney or if you're a businessman or if you're a uh, an amateur athlete of some sort, you've played sports of any kind, you must have faced some situation somewhere where all of a sudden the physiology of the thing wasn't working properly. The, the connection between your brain and your your synapses were not working. This I've seen this happen to athletes time and time again. It's something that they have to learn to control. I, t- I talked to a, uh, a a really intelligent woman who was in, at, at uh, Yale Law School, and she said that uh, I was talking to her about her experience there, and she said she was in this very rarefied air in this classroom, and the instructor was some dignified professor. And he turned all of a sudden out of the blue and asked her a question in front of everybody. And she said she knew the answer to the question, but she totally froze up and could not. She said something stupid. And she said people started laughing at her. And I thought, well, if you knew the answer, why why would that happen? Why would that happen? It's like you when you were pitching for Skyline High School, and you, uh, you, you know, the team had like a four four run lead, and you sort of started dealing. You know, I came in and gave up eight pitches. Uh, know, that right? probably happened. I uh, the times I really choked. I used to double fault when I'm facing break point. <laughs> really, uh, it used to happen all the time. And why did you ever try to figure out? That's because what's going through in my brain is just get it in, just get it in, just get it in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you you overthink of it. Yeah, you overthink it. All right, we'll have more coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.